I want to pray. Father, we just thank you. Just uh, praise your holy name. I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and touch the hearts and the lives of every person here, Lord God, in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, Lord God, that your word with power would go out, Lord God, and bring about a change, a turnaround, and progress and growth in every person here in Jesus' name. Amen. So, want to go to uh, Philippians uh, 2, and I'm going to read from 5 to 11. And I am going to talk about the attitude that we've got to have to bring about the gratitude from God. The attitude that brings about gratitude. And there's no better example than the example of Christ. So Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and those of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the first point is going to be attitude. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is an attitude? It's a fixed mindset, right? It's it's a mental posturing towards something, right? This attitude, it, it's being, it's really being focused. It's setting your mind almost like the way that you set your sights on a target, right? Or a destination or something, some desired outcome. Here's what an attitude is not. It's not something that changes with circumstances. It's not. It's something that remains the same regardless of circumstances, right? Something that remains the same regardless of what circumstances are. So when Paul said, which he says later on in this chapter, right, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Clearly, that is a call that transcends circumstances. He's in prison. You know, he is in prison. What essentially an attitude is that will keep you focused, it's remaining steadfast in God regardless of circumstances. It's trusting, it's putting your faith in God rather than circumstances. 
rather than what is happening. That is having a steadfast attitude, the same attitude, the same mindset that Christ had. It's being stable in your mood regardless. It's not allowing circumstances to cause your mindset to break down from this attitude. It's not, it's not allowing circumstances to take your mind off the target. You know, a great um, um, example in scripture is Colossians 3 verse 1, where you say, set your mind on things above. Have your attitude on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Boom. That is a target. Once you have this attitude, and the attitude is, of course, because now you're trusting in God, regardless of circumstances. Here's the thing, folks. There is a world that we see out there. That we, there's a world that we don't see out there, but it's more real than the world that we do see. And it's trusting that in me having my attitude fixated on God as Christ did, right? Which he did uh, uh, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising all shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. So if I have this same attitude, right? God will bless me the way he blessed Christ. This is the paradigm, folks. So the first is the attitude. And then look in verse 6 and 7. So the next is the servitude. Look, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, servitude right there, and being made in the likeness of men. So what was this attitude? It was an attitude of servitude. This is God now who doesn't lord over anyone but actually says that this mission has to be accomplished right this mission has to be accomplished and in order for this mission to be accomplished i have to take on an attitude of servitude right of of servitude i have to be this servant in order for this to be accomplished. You know what's interesting? Look what it says. He said, but he emptied himself. That is a word it's in the original language. It's kenosis, meaning to empty oneself. We've all heard of the, of the phrase, that guy's full of himself, right? Jesus 
emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? His ability to act as God. Clearly, divinity can't die, right? Divinity cannot die. So he divested himself of, of that. He took on this attitude of servitude because it was really someone that had to come as a servant that could fulfill God's righteous requirement. Christ's death is unlike any other ever because this is someone we can all say, and I've heard great heroic stories of people during the Iraq and Afghanistan war who've given their lives for other. Those stories are great, but they don't even come close to this because all of those people that did that, they had to die in some way, shape or form for something at some point. Christ did not need to die. He's God. This is different. This is a death like no other. A death like no other. You have to understand that. This is a spirit becoming flesh. Look what he says. He says, look, even though he existed in the form of God. Well, what is God? God is spirit. So he existed, meaning this is talking about pre-existence, right, of Christ before his incarnation, before he came in the flesh. Of course, there was never a time that God did not exist, right? So he did not need to die. So this servitude is very, very different than any other. And then the next thing is the magnitude is the next thing. So first is attitude, servitude, magnitude. Look at the magnitude of this servitude. So all of this flows, you've got the attitude of then of servitude and then you've got the magnitude of this servitude look what he says right here being found in a prince as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross this is something that is so you really cannot, unless the Holy Spirit makes this real to you, it's too big, it's mind blowing because we're talking about God who comes with this attitude of servitude, right? But look what he says, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. I would almost say, in all of history, in terms of capital punishment, crucifixion is probably the worst death. No, we can't say, some of you will say, well, what about the guillotine during the French Revolution? That was easy, that was nice, that was quick. That was very quick and clean, boom, it's over. But this death is not just death. One, it was reserved for the worst of society. So you're talking about God now, who doesn't just come down to die, but probably endures, and on top of that, it's an agonizing death too, right? Doesn't just endure this 
just dying, this capital punishment, this nicey, nicey thing like a lethal injection, but comes down and endures this death that they couldn't even give to Roman citizens. It was worse for the, it was reserved for the dregs of society. So God comes down, he comes down with this attitude of servitude and this servitude is to the magnitude of a death that is probably the worst form of capital punishment devised in history. You know, you're up there on a cross. We like to do it all nicey, nicey here. Put this little diaper on Christ in paintings and things. He was thrown up there naked. They were naked. Folks, they did not care about you being humiliated. In fact, crucifixion was designed in order to humiliate you. It was designed by the Romans because the Romans wanted a warning against anybody that was seditious against Roman occupation of Palestine. So they had to make sure you were a warning. Look, look at him dying up there. Hey, isn't that Mary's son? Whoa. And also someone who died of crucifixion, they would almost be blotted out of their context in Palestine. So they would be someone who, now we don't talk about Mary, so yeah, you know what happened to him, right? And so Christ came down with this attitude of this servitude to the magnitude of this crucifixion, of this worst form of capital punishment. Really, I mean, it was only the supernatural power of God. Could anybody start preaching about this crucified Messiah? Because it doesn't make any sense. Really, scripture says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It sounds foolish. Wait. A crucified Messiah, a Messiah is a savior. So of course someone would actually say, well, that doesn't even make any sense because wouldn't a Messiah be able to save himself? And we know when they were disparaging Christ on the cross, oh, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. It sounds foolish. And then a Messiah, it would sound so impotent for a Messiah to be crucified like a common criminal, right? So it's only the supernatural power of God. Let me tell you something, folks. God chose this event. God chose this public event. He chose Christ to die in this way. It was all designed. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, right? So, We've got the attitude, we've got the servitude, we've got the, the magnitude of the servitude. And then look at, um, at verse nine. 
we have the altitude. Listen to this then. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. That's altitude. That's high flying, right? Because of Christ's attitude is servitude, the magnitude of that servitude. We have this altitude, meaning God lifts him up high flying, right? This, this, this lift up, look once again what he says. It says that for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. If that's not altitude, I do not know what is. God highly exalted him, right? That means, boy, oh boy, that is a superlative, right? That is this excessive exaltation, right? God has highly exalted him, right? The thing is, is that Christ was obedient to God. He had this attitude and humbled himself under God, ultimately, with this servitude. The magnitude of it was the crucifixion. It was the worst, I argue, the worst death reserved for anyone in history. When you were up there on the cross, remember that nobody knew how long it would take you to die. And it was an agonizing death. You know, the British did some horrible things to the Scottish during their occupation in the 11th century. Boiling oil, hung, drawn, and quartered. Horrible. But those things, horrible, but they were over quick. Right, they were over. This is very, very different. You're out there agonizing, probably hoping to die, right? Hoping, just hoping to die. And you're probably dying, every part of your body is aching, right? So that is a magnitude of the servitude. And so now God has highly exalted him, the altitude, giving him a name above every name. Folks, let me tell you something. During your mission for God, there is going to be some suffering. I I'm telling you, I know that. There is going to be some suffering. There, there is, you got to have the right attitude as well. You know what the attitude shows? It shows I have faith in God and not in my circumstances. Remember the woman when she died and Elijah asked her how she was doing? It is well with my soul. What's it? Oh my God, my son has died. Oh, and what did God do? Raise that kid from the dead, right? Raise that kid from the dead. You know, anytime someone has had the right attitude, they've been blessed by God. Remember the Roman centurion when Jesus is coming to his house? Oh no, to heal his servant. Oh, no, you're a man like me under authority. You just say the word. What does Jesus say? Oh, whoa, this guy certainly has the right attitude. No greater faith have I seen in all of Israel. Boom, it was done. Remember the woman 
who wasn't supposed to even be out in public that had an issue of blood. I mean, talk about castigated, talk about ostracized. She was, she went, she touched Jesus' robe. She was blessed. Remember the woman who was essentially almost under the table like a dog and looking to, she even said, she's looking. Jesus said, I've come to the children of Israel, but even the dogs get the crumbs. She said, oh, whoa, whoa. And it's not that Jesus was trying to humiliate her. Of course, we know that he doesn't do that, but it was a testing of this faith, this attitude, right? This attitude. And that's what we have to have. And of course, you have to have this servitude in some kind of way. You cannot build God's kingdom without this servitude, without being this servant. And then really faith kicks in again in terms of the magnitude of this servitude, right? We know that Peter died for this. We know that Paul did. We know that James did. We know that John the Baptist did. And we know ultimately Christ did. But some of the Old Testament prophets, the magnitude of their servitude was death. Isaiah was killed, right? Jeremiah was thrown into you know, sewers, put in cages and all kinds of stuff. So what I am saying is this is all part of the process. And Paul's writing this, he's in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Someone say, where is he? Is he in the Beau Rivage in Geneva? Because sounds like he's having a good time. No, he's in prison, but he's in prison understanding these principles. And then the last thing is the gratitude. Look, we will show that to him. And that ever, so verse uh, um, 10 and 11, so that at the name of Jesus, so this is the altitude, this is where God has exalted him to, and this is the gratitude now, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. That is the gratitude to the glory of God, the Father. So what is God doing? So for this, this attitude and this servitude and the magnitude of this servitude, and then God has given Christ this altitude, and then God expresses this gratitude, right? And don't forget, it's not God just even saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is big enough. Christ as this humongous cosmic audience because of God. It's almost, you know what it's almost like? It's almost like people getting an award. Let's give them a round of applause. No, it's God actually say, I am giving my son this cosmic, these cosmic accolades, this cosmic round of applause, right, to show my gratitude. When God did it before, during Jesus' earthly ministry, it was God saying, 
this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God is saying it now with a chorus. All of us. And that's God's gratitude. And everybody that Christ died for. And here's the thing. Understand one thing. People under the earth are going to do this. So even people that did not accept Christ are going to give Christ a round of applause. It's on earth, under the earth. It's everywhere. Understand one thing. In this gratitude, when this happens, there's going to be no unbelievers. Everyone is going to believe. But it's going to be too late for some people. So all of the people that scoff, no, he's not Lord. Everyone is going to show gratitude for what he did. So there's this attitude. There is this servitude. There is this magnitude of the servitude to the point of death. Then there's this altitude. And then there's this gratitude. And if you can follow that paradigm, starting with that attitude, your life will be something that you will not be able to even comprehend. If you have the attitude that I'm going to have a good attitude when things are good, it's not going to happen. I am going to have a good attitude regardless of whether things are good. And you follow, as I said, that rubric. Watch. Watch how your life drastically changed. You open the doors, the windows, the mailbox, everything to receive supernatural power of God in your life. Praise God. Let's do a few prayer points. It says this, Lord God, give me this attitude that leads to your gratitude. Those two things are bookends, right? And everything in between. Give me this attitude. Give me the grace to exercise this attitude that leads to your gratitude. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We just praise your holy name, Lord God. We just pray, Father, that you would give me the attitude that would lead to this gratitude, Lord God. Christ is my model. He is the example, Lord God. Give me the grace to live out that example in what you have for me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Next uh, um, prayer point is this, is Lord God, give me the grace to demonstrate servitude to you, Lord God. Don't forget, first and foremost, you're serving anyone. You are serving God first. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, not as unto your boss. Not as unto your spouse, but 
unto the Lord. Because when you do it as unto the Lord, your boss, your spouse, they benefit from it anyway. So give me the grace, Lord God, to show this servitude to you. Paul called himself a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Willingly, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. A bond slave is someone who wants to be a slave. That master is so good. I would prefer to be enslaved to this master than free out by myself. So it's, Lord God, give me the grace to remain in servitude to you, Lord God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I praise your holy name. I pray that you will give me the grace to remain in servitude to you, Father, Lord God. Give me the grace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we start talking about magnitude, some people, oh, I'll only go so far. I'll go a mile or two, and, and that is it. No, it is whatever it takes, whatever it requires. Lord God, give me the grace to exercise magnitude in my servitude. Really, whatever it takes, give me the grace to exercise magnitude in my servitude. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. Praise your holy name. I pray, Father, you will give me the grace to exercise this magnitude in my servitude, Lord God. Let me not say, oh, I serve you when things are, are good and uh, um, I don't when things are bad, Lord God. Give me the grace to remain steadfast, Lord God, and to also serve you regardless of what the consequences are, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And then the next prayer is, Lord God, give me the blessings of altitude. Lift me up out of my situation. It's consistent with scripture, right? Is that... Um, those that humble themselves will be exalted. That scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time, right? So Lord God, give me the grace of altitude, Lord God, that you will exalt me, Lord God. I I'm putting my trust that you will exalt me at the right time. Nobody says what the right time is. Oh, oh, God, it's been going on for this long now. Come on, where's that exaltation? Yeah, well, come on, give me that altitude. No, God decides that. So, Lord God, give me the grace of altitude, Lord inspire you. I am not raising myself. I'm not lifting myself. I'm trusting you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Just praise your holy name. Father, we pray that you will give me the grace of altitude. I am trusting you, Lord God. I am not lifting myself, Father, Lord God. I am waiting for you to do it, Lord God. 
You say, Lord God, if I humble myself, Lord God, you will exalt me in due time. I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. And the next one is, Lord God, give me the grace to receive your gratitude. One day, there's going to come, I mean, this is the ultimate gratitude, of course, but there's gratitude along the way. But the ultimate gratitude is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of your Lord, right? So give me the grace, Lord God, to receive your gratitude. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Father, we just praise your holy name. Father, we pray that you will give me the grace, Lord God, to ultimately receive your gratitude. Of course, Lord God, I want to receive it along the way, but ultimately I will receive that welcome from you, Lord God, at that time. I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to do the caring call, as we call it, and then I'm going to pray for everybody, everyone who is sick, and I'm going to pass it over to Sandy. So if you don't know the Lord, you're unsure if you do, say this prayer with me. Father, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. I know you shed your precious blood on the cross, Father, Lord God. You had this attitude of servitude, Lord God, and the magnitude of dying on the cross Lord God, and now you've been given that altitude of being the highest name, Lord God, and I show gratitude to you now, Father, for what you have done for me, for dying for me, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would accept me as yours, Father. Change my life, Lord God. Make it something that it could never be, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.